Hello, everyone, and welcome to the sixth episode of the Real Trailer Life podcast. In this episode, we are discussing how we travel with dogs, and welcome to the journey with Real Trailer Life. My name is Patrick. And I'm Wendy. And we are two career professionals working our way towards retirement in our Lance 2285 trailer. Along with our two Vishlas, Indy and Ruby, we are sharing our experiences with downsizing, travel, camping, and life. So sit back and enjoy another fun episode as we share our ideas, tips, tricks, and experiences. So in this episode, we're going to be giving our experiences, ideas, suggestions about how we travel with our two Vishlas. Yep, we have two Vishlas, Indy and Ruby. Indy's almost six, and he is a male, and Ruby is coming up on two and obviously a female. So a little bit about the history of uh, my family's experience uh, with Vishlas, and the story I'm going to discuss is to the best of my ability, and the history of Vishlas with uh, my side of the family. Now, my grandfather owned a grocery store in Minneapolis years ago, and actually, he'd be better described as a butcher. Uh, and they had a great meat market. It was the kind where you could go up, order your cut of meat, and they would cut it right there for you on the spot. He was also a very avid uh, bird hunter. So the story as I know it is he was approached by a doctor, and I believe the doctor was from St. Louis. And he knew the Vishla's breed. And he was taught, the, and we're talking about some of the very first Vishlas that were brought into the United States. This would have been back like in the 60s. Uh, he had a male and a female that they mated. And shortly after the female gave birth, uh, she uh, ended up taking the lives of all of her pups. And that was extremely concerning to um, the owner, the doctor. And then this doctor approached my grandfather, who knew my grandfather was a great uh, uh bird hunter, uh, and he knew my grandfather from the meat market. And he offered my grandfather a deal and said, hey, you know, if you can take care of uh, these pups when they're born, uh, after she delivers, um, we'll give you, and and, and the pups come to, to full term, uh, they would give him actually one puppy. Uh, they ended up uh, getting one puppy, and then they also bought a second puppy from the, the same litter. So they took the time to train those pups uh, into amazing hunting dogs. And they were part of our family for many years. Uh, I remember Vishlas as a child. Uh, They are brilliantly rust-colored, very active, and amazing hunting dogs. And in my eyes, Vishlas were always a part of our family. Wendy and I met in 2010, and her experience has always been with Yellow Labs and Golden Retrievers. Yeah, I had a great uh, Yellow Lab, she was named Cora. She was pretty much in the last stages of her life when Pat and I met. Prior to that, I had a golden retriever named Bodhi. Bodhi had passed away before I met Patrick, but Cora was still with our family. And then, unfortunately, she passed too. And uh, we just needed to fill that void. I just wasn't sure if I was ready. So I suggested that we get a Vishla, and Wendy was a little bit apprehensive about that at first. Uh, She had not really any knowledge of the Vishla breed. No, I had no idea what a Vishla was, but oh my gosh. When we got Miri, she was so smart, so sweet. She just wanted to please us and drop dead gorgeous, gorgeous female Vishla. Yeah, so we got Mary, and she was a very quick learner. Um, and Vishla's want to please their owner, and she was very much a, 
that type of a dog. And unfortunately, we lost Mary uh, to cancer at the age of three, and we were pretty devastated at that point. Soon after that, uh, we added a male pup uh, from the same breeder that we had gotten Mary. Actually, it was the same two parents as Mary's. Yeah, it was. That's right. And this was a game changer. Uh, Andy, uh, he has been stellar and he's an amazing dog. He's a, today he's almost six years old. And then during the pandemic, we decided to add a female. Yep, we added Ruby. And Indy needed a companion, and that was pretty sweet. And they they are stackable vishlas. They love each other and sleep on top of each other. So today we have our two, uh, Indy and Ruby, uh, and we travel with them. And quite frankly, they are amazing dogs to have when we are out on the road. So we got our Lance in twenty, uh, our Lance twenty two eighty five in uh, May of twenty twenty, at the very beginning of the pandemic. So we had Ru- we also. Got Ruby right around the same time, a couple months later. And she has been in our life ever since. And while we know this episode is all about dogs, there's something that you should probably know about Vishlas. They are Velcro dogs, meaning they always want to be touching you or yeah. each other. <laughs> right. They're always by our side. Um, they're medium-sized dogs. They weigh 42 to 55 pounds, depending upon if it's a male or a female. And they have a lot of energy. But like we said earlier, they just want to please you. They're smart. I mean, like really, really super smart. They're amazing family dogs. And if you're a hunter, they are a perfect hunting dog with the right training. Yeah, they're both uh, retrievers and pointers. So enough about the breed. Um, Let's get on to how we travel with our pups. So first and foremost, we have dog insurance. And we cannot tell you the importance of having dog insurance. After everything that we went through with the loss of Mary, we paid far less in insurance premiums than we ever paid for the cost of her care. Uh, we use True Panion, uh, and there are many other options out there available, but do your research. Um, and again, we're just firm believers in having uh, your pets insured. So how do we prepare our dogs for travel? And this is critical. Uh, we make sure that we are current on their vaccinations and we carry that documentation with us. Uh, It's required if you're going to be trying to travel over the border into Canada. And many campgrounds require uh, that you have proof of vaccinations. We use the tick and flea products too on our pubs. Um, We trim their nails right before we're ready to go just to get that all caught up with. So, you know, it's easier on furniture and floors. Uh, And then when we're planning our campgrounds, we search for pet-friendly campgrounds. Uh, You can use Campendium or The Dirt or any other websites out there that will show that uh, campgrounds are pet-friendly. Most of the campground review websites, you can actually search if they allow pets or not. And if you have any doubt, you can always call the location and ask. Yeah, sometimes they might limit the type or the number of pets. Um, A lot of them have really nice dog parks or running space areas that you can take the dogs out running and And pretty much you're going to need a leash. Yeah. You got to have leashes. You're going to have a leash and we're going to talk about uh, what we use a little bit later. And uh, most of, most of the places do not allow you to leave your pets unattended in your trailer, which we are proponents for. Uh, We do not leave our pets in our trailer unattended. And then how do we prepare our tow vehicle for traveling with our dogs? Well, 
We have a back seat cover. Um, actually, we had one that we uh, used when we went to the North Rim and it saved our back seat. Uh, we bought the new Ford F-150 and we got a new cover that's going to be arriving soon. And I'll put uh, the, a link to that cover in our show notes. So we also use chest harnesses uh, with our dogs and we attach uh, a seatbelt strap. This works in a couple of ways. It keeps the dog safe in the event of a quick stop or an accident. Uh, it also helps keep the dogs in the back seat. And we'll link to the harnesses and the seat straps that we use in the show notes. Uh, we pack plenty of treats, plenty of water, chew toys, leashes, pet waste bags. Uh, and we use a small collapsible water food bowl that uh, they collapse right down and fit into the back seat or the back pocket on the front seats for the dogs. Yeah, we just hook a, we hook a carabiner to it and to a water bottle. And then it's super easy just to fill. So then next we have to prepare our trailer for uh, travel with dogs. Our doors in our 2285 have top to bottom screens. And I am in the process right now of putting in... Uh, Camco makes some great screen protectors that you can bolt to the uh, doors that are these aluminum mesh type uh, screen protectors, which will prevent the dogs from busting out through the uh, screens should they see another dog or a, a rabbit. <laughs> yeah. Or a human. Yeah. Or... Whatever the case might be. So we also add covers to the uh, seat benches, the seat bottoms in the dinette, as well as the couch. Uh, we also have a leash holder that we mount to the outside uh, puck or mount for our TV, tra uh, TV on the outside of the trailer with the same mounting system that our TV uses, obviously. Uh, we make sure that we have packed uh, necessary items for our pets. Things like a first aid kit, uh, e-collars, leashes, uh, a dog brush. Uh, and we make sure that we have plenty of food for the entire trip, plus a couple of days. And the reason we keep a couple of days is you know, we never know if a trip is going to have to be extended for some unnecessary reason that we're unaware of. Uh, we also have these storage bins uh, that we put the dog food in. Both of our dogs eat separate foods, so each of them has a bin that we put their food in individually. And these we store underneath our bed uh, in our bedroom. It just keeps the dogs away from trying to get into their food. Plus, you can't smell the dog food permeating throughout your trailer either. So they're nicely contained under the bed. And then we also make sure that we bring a broom, a small handheld vacuum, so that we can clean the floors and upholstery because our non-shedding vishlas Shed. Shed. No, they shed. They shed. They do shed. So on travel days, it's important that uh, we are prepared. Uh, we know our pet's limits. You should know your pet's limits. We're going to make more stops. Obviously, we're going to make more stops, and the stops are going to take longer. But then we can take them out for a walk and walk around, stretch our legs at the same time. It helps us. And then when we arrive at a campground uh, during the site survey uh, and before backing in, we leave the dogs in the tow vehicle. Uh, this allows us to check the site for safety for ourselves as well as our dogs. You know, people leave things in campsites. Uh, they may leave food. Uh, they may leave other hazards that could be not only hazardous to our pets, but also to ourselves. And then once we are backed in, uh, we take the dogs out on their leashes and Wendy attends to the dogs while I get everything set up on the trailer. And once we are level and the, side, uh, the slide is out on the trailer, uh, then we let the dogs into the trailer. We also plan to set up our site in a pet-friendly way. 
Now we use these Sea Gear RV mats, uh, and we've talked about these in previous episodes. Um, the nice thing about these mats is they allow dirt and sand to pass through the mat, and it basically just makes it so that we don't get so much dirt and debris and yeah. stuff inside of the trailer. Yeah, you don't track stuff in the trailer as much. It's and they're um, really portable; like they fold up pretty small, and they're pretty lightweight for yeah. for mats. Uh, we also feed our dogs inside of the RV. Uh, that way that dogs aren't going to leave any food outside the campsite, uh, around the campsite, which would attract critters. We also make sure that we have water in the trailer out in a bowl for both the dogs. So we also set up the inside of the trailer uh, to make it a better experience for our dogs. Like I said earlier, we cover the seats. They, Our dogs like to lay on the couch or the dinette seats, and so we really want to protect those seats from their claws. We make sure that the trash is covered so they don't have an opportunity to get into that. And then we added this really cool carpet runner, uh, and we'll link to that as well. The carpet runner is basically two pieces. It has one piece that kind of adheres to the floor, not really adheres to the floor, but it's like a non-skid. Non non and then the second part is the actual carpet that lays over that non-skid pad and the nice thing about the carpet is you can just toss it right into your washing machine and clean it up well and at night too we um like to have a fire and so i think that it's really important that you're aware of your dogs near any kind of fire um, you want to make sure that they're safe and we also use like a small mat for them to lie on when we are sitting by our campfire yeah if they're not actually sitting in our laps we're also really careful that we don't drop any food um when we're out by the fire, such, you know, s'mores, popcorn, whatever. Yeah, chocolate's not good for dogs. And then at the end of the night, we make sure that all of our trash is secured in our trailer or the back of our tow vehicle. Uh, this includes waste, uh, filled waste bags. These should not be left outside as they can attract critters that we don't want into our campsite. And then how we sleep with our pets is important. Andy, the older male, uh, he has been kenneled uh, at night most of his life. We don't even have to close the door anymore while we're at home. It's just his safe place. But when we're traveling, he prefers to sleep on the couch uh, in the in the kitchen galley. And he'll stay there all night uh, with no problems. Ruby. <laughs> unlike Ruby. Yeah. Unlike Indy. Ruby, well, she's, she's like really spoiled. Um, her preference is to sleep at the foot of our bed. Um, she burrows under the covers and stays at the bottom of the bed. I don't know how she, but she loves it. Her favorite place to be so sometimes she moves around a bit at night but pat's biggest concern is her claws when she stretches yeah you better watch out uh it's she'll claw she right into your leg long or... legs and she, she's not doing anything to be mean Oh, our next topic is campsite etiquette, and this is important that you hear to uh, the campground rules. These are going to vary from site to site, and you should not bring a pet of any kind that is aggressive towards other animals or people, uh, for that matter. You should be able to control your dog uh, and control your dog's barking. Nothing can ruin a peaceful camping uh, experience like a dog that barks constantly or repeatedly. And there are bark collars that are available to deter uh, barking if needed. Make sure you keep your dog on a leash. Yeah, we use these really great long leashes at the campsite itself, but they're not 
too long that they would allow the dog to travel into like the site next to us. We wouldn't do that. We keep the pets um, in our site only, confined to our site only. We're looking into some new GPS thing for collars. Yeah. So, you know, I've been kind of researching what we can do for collars when we're traveling. And I've started looking at the Halo collar and some of these other uh, GPS programmable uh, collars. So if anybody has experience with a Halo collar uh, and you want to give us your opinion on those, that would be great. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, lastly, uh, don't leave your pet unattended in your RV. And it's critical for many reasons. First of all, you don't want your dog to sit and bark all day long when you're not there. Uh, they can damage your RV, RV while uh, you're not in the RV. Well, especially ours because they get the zoomies and they start running around like zoomies. Crazy dogs. Crazy dogs. And then the biggest reason is temperature. Uh, Yeah, you can leave your air conditioner on or you can leave a fan on. But if you end up having a power outage, uh, these boxes can get extremely hot extremely fast. And it's extremely dangerous to the dogs uh, as they will overheat. And it can just be detrimental to their life. So just don't do it. Make sure you take walks. I mean, your pet wants to go out and smell things, see the area. And they need exercise. Um, A lot of campgrounds have areas for your dogs to run. Um, It helps wear them out, makes them sleep better. Plus, it's just good for them. And you know what? It's good for us, too, to get up and walk around and get exercise. And take the time to clean up your waste. Uh, There's no bigger pet peeve of Wendy and I's other than somebody else who has a dog that they don't choose to take care of their dog uh, and uh, clean up their dog's uh, waste. Yeah, we have... We just carry the bags with us wherever we go. We don't let our dogs go to the bathroom on someone else's campsite. Like, that's just rude. And use your leash. We talked about leashes several times, but we have these chest harnesses that we walk our dogs with. And we have, the chest harnesses are really nice because they have a a D-ring on the backside or back of the dog's neck. And we have this leash that you can hook up both dogs to the same leash and control them both. Yeah, well, they it has two of those rings. One is on the back, you know, below their neck, and then the other's on their chest. The leash can be shortened or lengthened, depending on how many of those you hook it to. So Right, and if you hook it up to the front of the leash, it helps to control them from tugging away from you because you're redirecting the dog's direction. So, And then, as previously stated, we use e-collars. Uh, there are products out there like Sport Dog or Garmin. Um, and we are, we think that these are great products. And before anyone decides to slice us up about using these products, we are advocates. Uh, we use the Garmin Pro 550. The unit allows us to control both dogs separately with one handheld unit. And we rarely have to use the stimulation part of the system. 99% of the time, it just takes a tone. And it usually stops them from being aggressive uh, and stops them from barking. Make sure you bring treats. Uh, We bring treats and water on all of our walks. We think that that's important. Um, And then let them run. Uh, Nothing is better for all of us than a dog that has run and is tired at the end of the day. Oh, you should also, you know, don't assume that another, just because maybe you see another dog with their owner, you should not assume that it's a friendly dog or just ask. I think think it's best to always ask before you let, the dogs greet each other and make sure that it's okay that they meet 
owners know if their dogs are aggressive or not. And the last thing we want is, you know, a bad situation to occur. So let's talk about hiking with dogs. And this is a little bit uh, different of a subject. Um, one of the most important aspects of hiking with a dog or, uh, is to know whether uh, the dog is allowed. Many trails uh, do not allow dogs. Yeah, most- there was a lot of the national and state parks that we went on our last trip with that only allowed pets on like certain paved trails, and some didn't even allow that. Yeah, and you really need to know. Um, alltrails.com is a great resource. Uh, alltrails has a section where you can see if pets are allowed or not. And we've used that many times. Bring enough water, not just for you, but also for your pet. We carry these uh, Berkey Sport bottles, and this allows us, we fill it up with regular water, um, but in an emergency, it would allow us to be able to use pretty much any water source uh, as the Berkey filter system cleans out so much of the garbage that's in that water and makes it drinkable for everybody. And then we also have life straws, which basically you can stick into a puddle and drink water out of. Because it filters it. I'm not just drinking puddle water. And make sure that you bring uh, waste bags and a way to pack them out. Uh, We have these specially designed waste bag holders that uh, we put our used waste bags into. And actually the dogs carry them out in their own backpacks. Um, and that helps just keep the order down, but uh, you don't want to leave anything out there in the, in the open for other critters. Um, and it's just not a good idea to leave your dog's waste out anywhere and then bring extra food. One never knows if you'll need it or not. Uh, we've taken many trips in RVs. Some have been alone. Uh, some have been with just one dog and many have been with both dogs. And as we progress into retirement, we're planning on traveling, with two additional family members, Indy and Ruby. And while traveling with pets adds a bit of uh, stress to the uh, camping experience, being prepared is your best tool to make it an amazing experience. But, and we love our dogs. We do. We miss them when we don't have them with us. So, So on to our campground review, and uh, we are going to be taking you to the shores of Lake Superior in Two Harbors, Minnesota. Burlington Bay Campground. Now, this is a city-owned campground uh, in Two Harbors. It's located on Highway 61 and Park Road in Two Harbors. The campground has 66 sites with water and electric hookups. It has 36 sites with water, electric, and sewer hookups. And then there are 34 sites with water and sewer and 50 amp hookups. And then there are additional 10 primitive tent sites. Well, you remember some of those spots were like right along the shore of Lake Superior, like the back of their trailer was facing the lake. Like yeah. it's beautiful. Yeah. And, and if you remember, um, right outside of the back of the trailer, it just dropped straight off on a cliff. So it's not like you could hike down to Lake Superior from those sites. They were a little windy at times coming the wind coming off the lake but beautiful sights and most of the other ones are a short walking distance anyway to go look at the lake or travel on some of the trails and hike so the campsite rates for the 2022 season run from $28 to $48 per night and it really depends upon the site and the amenities that you want 
Uh, and the weekends are more expensive, so the weekdays are going to be a little bit cheaper for you. I think those rates are pretty awesome, though, anyway. And the campground was super awesome. Yeah, the site we stayed in was uh, rather level. We had plenty of room. Um, there was a campfire ring and a picnic table. Uh, and we ended up having to get wood. Uh, like many campsites, you have to buy the wood from the campground. Um, and the wood was good, too. And we had uh, just a great experience at that campground. Most of the campsites are a walk away from the views of Lake Superior. Uh, many um, sit, like Wendy had said earlier, just right on the, the view of Lake Superior. And it's just gorgeous. The location uh, is basically across the highway from uh, Famous Betty's uh, Pies. Yum! Uh, and there are so many other activities to choose uh, when you're staying in at Burlington Bay. There are state par parks, uh, waterfalls, the beaches of Lake Superior. Yeah, I mean, agate hunting. It's a smaller town, so that atmosphere is sweet. There's breweries. I mean, the list goes on and on. And Duluth, Duluth isn't far away either. The one thing I remember, though, is this was still high pandemic time, but and the, the traffic on Highway 61, do you remember how backed up that was? Yeah, so during the pandemic, you know, everybody was out trying to do things in the outside and Lake Superior is a great road, Highway 61 going up Lake Superior uh, to Grand Marais and up into that area. But yeah, the traffic was just horrific. Yeah, it didn't bother us because we weren't going anywhere. But um, And even though we could see the traffic from our campsite, we didn't even hear the traffic. No, so that was kind of nice. They have plenty of trees and there was like almost like a tree wall that kind of kept the, the sound down. Now we're going to talk about recipe share. Today's recipe is steak bites. Um, so what are steak bites? Well, it's basically steak cut up in bite-sized pieces. We use a top sirloin steak, but you know, use what you want. Any cut works. Extra virgin olive oil. You could use avocado oil. Um, I think the key is because we use the Blackstone griddle to cook these, you need a high smoke point on your oil butter you can also substitute uh any kind of substitution with butter i like butter <laughs> so like i said when we cook our steak bites we use our blackstone griddle um the pieces are cut small enough so they cook relatively quickly so cook them to your liking um again a small amount of oil in the skillet um cook the steaks I like to add garlic because I love, love, love garlic. Um, and the sauce, the butter sauce. Oh, and the butter sauce. Yeah, that's, it's just super good. You know, you can also have it with like a veggie plate or a nice green salad, bread if you want, or rice. And now that we have our fabulous rice cooker. Yeah, we got a new rice cooker that. I'm like super excited for that. But, the, you know, the other thing about these steak bites is you could marinate them in like the oil and the garlic and uh, maybe some parsley or some other spices. Stick them in the fridge, you know, when you get to your campsite, boom, they're ready to go. Yeah, a lot of times we're just marinating our meat in Ziploc bags and throw it in the fridge and it just, it's fridge or cooler as we're traveling.
So on to this week's photography tip. Uh, we're going to be talking about shooting and composing in the rule of thirds. Uh, the rule of thirds is basically an idea that pictures are generally more interesting and well-balanced when they aren't centered. Uh, imagine uh, placing a grid over your image with two vertical lines and two horizontal lines that divide the picture into nine equal-sized sections. And if you follow the rule of thirds, rather than positioning your subject or uh, important elements of the scene in the center of the photo, you want to place them along one of the four lines uh, where the lines intersect. Uh, some cameras even have a grid option that you can turn on, which can be useful if you're just starting to learn how to compose images. Of course, photography is all about creativity and personal expression. Uh, you may sometimes choose to break this rule uh, and place the point of interest anywhere you want in a photo, and this is absolutely fine. But before you start to break the rule, it's important that you understand it. And you should be in the habit of con consciously taking the time and thinking about points of interest and where you place them in your image. And you don't want like a tree coming out of someone's head. Right. Because I've done that. Oops. So if you're enjoying uh, the Real Trailer Life podcast, feel free to follow us on Facebook and Instagram uh, and Pinterest too. Uh, just search Real Trailer Life. You can also find us at realtrailerlife.com, which has links to all of our social media uh, connections there. And if you want to contact Wendy and I uh, personally, you can send us an email at us at realtrailerlife.com. Uh, we'd love to be able to hear from you. And in our next episode, we're going to be discussing must have, should have, because we want to have equipment uh, and gadgets for RVing. And until then, safe travels. Safe travels. Yum. Oops. I like butter. <laughs> what the heck is that? All right. It's still recording.